Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. It's Kelly Moore sitting in one final time for Hal Anderson. Coming up on the podcast, we're going to speak with an allergist and an immunologist about dealing with our smoky skies. We'll check in on Hockey Day in Humboldt. that featured a visit by the Stanley Cup and day one of Broncos training camp and a preview of La Burger Week, where Winnipeg will be setting the standard for the rest of the country to follow. And you can get back to the hell loving on Monday. He will be back in this chair. Kelly Moore uh, sitting in at one seventeen on your Friday afternoon. It is just after uh, the start of lunchtime in Humboldt, Saskatchewan. We're now heading west and a little bit north as well. And we join Ryan Flaherty of Global News Saskatoon. Hey, good afternoon, Ryan. Hi there, Kelly. How are you doing? I'm well. Yourself? Oh, pretty good. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine uh, things are are hopping in Humboldt, to say the least. It is uh, quite incredible, actually. I'm just getting it. We, we've been kind of sequestered here for the last little bit, waiting to do sort of the the interviews and things. But I've just got a chance now to kind of poke my head out and uh, see the lineups uh, of people that are here. And like, I'm just looking outside right now, and it's going well around the building. Uh, the, the, they're packed in to the arena already. It is uh, going to be ball hockey and all kinds of games and stuff for the, the kids and, and the families outside. It's uh, quite quite a scene. Yeah, so are you in the bowels of Elgar Peterson Arena, so to speak? I am, yeah, at the moment, yeah, in the in the, the complex, I guess, if you could call it that. It's classic uh, small-town Saskatchewan, you know, everything in one place kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, yeah we're we're here, yeah. Yeah. So I know in Dauphin they were expecting hundreds, and then four to five thousand turned up uh, when Barry Trotz brought the cup to Dauphin uh, to his hometown on Tuesday. I'm not sure how good of a crowd counter you are, Ryan, but uh, would you be able to give an estimate of how many folks that you, you've been able to see turning out in Humboldt for this today? Well, it's easily got to be into the thousands. I mean, the thing the the public event is just kind of getting underway right now. And uh, as I mentioned, I mean, they're lined up well at the door around the corner and they're not stopping anytime soon. So I got to think it's it, by the, the end of the day, it's probably, you know, the town population here is about 5,600. I wouldn't be surprised to see more than that come through here over the course of the day. Right. Now, Chandler Stevenson, who is from your hometown of Saskatoon and a member of the Washington Capitals, is kind of the catalyst for all of this, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was Chandler who said, you know, and we were just talking to him, and he's, as the, the, the Caps were on their run, and, and it's, they started to talk about the fact that, what did you, you know, what are you going to do with the Cup? Guys always talk about that, right? And Chandler, you know, he has connection with a couple of the players that were on that bus, uh, and uh, Braden Camrude and Caleb Dahlgren, and he basically said, you know, I, when I get my day with the Cup, I, I want to take it to Humboldt. You know, he didn't play here. He wasn't a Bronco, but you know, he's from Saskatoon, it's just an hour away, and he knows, like I said, two people who were on that bus, and he wanted to do his part to, uh, to you know, help the community with the, the healing process. And it, it's such a significant day, Ryan, because not only uh, with the Cup coming to Humboldt and, and honoring uh, both the town and, you know, and the Broncos as well, but the hockey team is beginning its training camp today. And I was mentioning to our listeners the uh, list of uh, the rules of do's and don'ts for the uh, the visiting media is quite extensive. Yeah, you you would probably have never seen a list like that for a, for a junior, you know, a junior A training camp, really. I mean, uh, we, 
we wouldn't normally be here. Uh, it's not something that we would usually cover, but of course there's obviously a lot more interest and it is kind of neat to see how the timing has kind of dovetailed here today with this big celebration uh, and at the same time, a chance for the organization, the Broncos organization, to kind of take that first step towards uh, their, the new version of the Broncos, essentially. You know, they have a whole new board of directors, a uh, new president that just came online this week. Um, and now we're going to have a new team of players stepping onto the ice later today. And so it's kind of neat to see how those two things have kind of coincided here. Have you had a chance to be in the town long enough to get a feel for how the atmosphere is? And I asked that, Ryan, from the perspective of, you know, they went through uh, early to mid-April where the national story was covered and there were so many out-of-town media poking and, and prodding, doing their jobs, but still, you know, uh, in in their town. And now all of a sudden it's back again. Or do you think they've had time to brace themselves for the, you know what, we know that there's going to be a, a national attraction to what's going on here? Yeah, I think, you know, I can't speak for the people here, but I, I think, you know, over the course of the last few months, they've come to realize just how many eyes are are focused on their community. Um, People want to know how people are doing here and, and how the community is healing. I think there's today is a lot about the excitement of the cup and the, and there's a mystique about it. You know, I was in Lashburn, Saskatchewan a few weeks ago and Braden Holtby uh, brought it home and people were coming from all over the place just to see that cup. And it's a similar effect here obviously with a whole other layer of emotion to it. But I think as a community, most people here are in a pretty celebratory mood. Now there was a private event prior to sort of the media interviews and things this morning that, that Chandler had with the families uh, from of the, the victims of the crash and uh, some of the survivors. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't tell us much about what happened there. It was obviously a private event. But they said, you know, it was, it was quite an emotional time, but uh, I think, the feeling is that the the gesture and the, the, all the people that have come together here is really, really appreciated by those people who are the most directly impacted by this tragedy. You mentioned interviews in the plural, so and I know Chandler had uh, said that uh, he was uh, really blown away by uh, the number of NHLers that wanted to come and help him celebrate this day. Who else is there that you've been able to see, Ryan? Well, uh, we've got a number of players past and uh, present are here. Uh, Scott Hartnell is here. Wade Redden, a man, a man, a former Brendan Wheat King. Uh, there's, uh, I think Travis Hamanick is around. Uh, some other prospects, like Connor Hobbs is another uh, Washington Capitals prospect who uh, is from Saskatoon. He's here as well. I had the list uh, not in front of me right now, but there's probably, I'd say, about 12 to 15 NHLers here uh, as part of this and of course the NHLPA is ball is involved as well as the league itself so Andrew Ference is here on behalf of the league Chris Campoli uh, representing the PA and and it's just really that uh, that larger family of hockey that's really all come together here today all right Ryan Flaherty is from Global News Saskatoon he's joining us from Humboldt Saskatchewan where it's hockey day uh, they have the Stanley Cup there and in a very short time there's going to be another very emotional uh, night in Humboldt, and that is going to be the season opener on September 12th against the Nippon Hawks. And and if you can, Ryan, uh, just paint a picture. Like, is the Stanley Cup in the foyer of the arena, and then people are lined up on the uh, outside of the building, waiting to get in, you know, to talk to Chandler Stevenson, maybe get an autograph, or uh, how how is that set up? Just so we could kind of visualize here. Sure, absolutely. So they've actually got uh, the rink itself is closed right now because training camps can be starting later. So they have got the cup in a uh, one of the rooms here in the complex, 
and the NHL has brought it. Uh, there's a, a whole extra display set up, this Legends. So there's all these display cases with uh, different uniforms and gear and, and me- mementos. And so it's almost like a mini Hall of Fame tour in the room. And then they've got the cup uh, at the end kind of thing. And Chandler's there with it, uh, doing pictures and that sort of thing and, and doing the meet and greet. And it is a throng of people in that room and then lined up to get in and then lined up to get into the building behind that. So that's kind of how things are set up here. Well, you said Chandler Stevenson never played for the Humboldt Broncos, but somehow I think he might wind up with a jersey before he, he leaves town for uh, for what he's done today. Ryan, thanks a bunch very much for uh, painting a great picture and, and sharing a little bit of what's going on there with us. Absolutely. My pleasure, Kelly. You bet. Ryan Flaherty, he is from Global News Saskatoon and uh, is joining us from Humboldt, Saskatchewan, uh, where they are celebrating the uh, Stanley Cup being on hand. And uh, I was just, uh, as I was looking at that schedule for the Broncos and and thinking ahead to, how you know, the start of a season, there's always a lot of excitement. Uh, there's, uh, you know, a lot of optimism and that sort of thing. I don't know how it will be for the Broncos this year because they basically had to rebuild their team. But it will be... I don't want to use uh, the term carnival atmosphere because there's going to be a ton of emotion when that team steps on that ice because there'll still be the memories of the players who used to play there who lost their lives on April 6th. Let's just say it will be an emotionally charged and electric atmosphere. Let's go with that kind of a description. I think that would be apt for it. We're coming up to the bottom of the hour. Cam Poitras will have your news. And on the other side, uh, it's not a live interview. It's an interview that I had to record because uh, uh, the time was very limited with our guest. But it's uh, very timely uh, from the aspect that uh, with that smoke out there, right now it's moderate. Uh, there is the chance, though, for it to increase as the day goes on, as, as Mike Conkin has been uh, uh, reporting uh, throughout the day. Uh, so we'll be talking to an allergist uh, with some important information for you, especially, you know, even if there's not someone that suffers from allergies or asthma, you might spot it. So there's some good information, uh, spot someone suffering from it. So there's some good information there for you to be aware of. That's coming up next. Kelly, in for hell on 680 CJOB. Kelly Moore in for Hell Anderson this afternoon. While Southern Manitoba woke up this morning to a more than noticeable amount of smoke in the air from wildfires raging in northwestern Ontario. Now, it's not as bad as it has been in B.C. or Alberta. But uh, overnight, we did reach an air quality rating of 7. That's in the high-risk category. Tristan Field-Jones was telling me uh, this before he left for the weekend. Uh, In speaking with our weather specialist, Mike Conkin, before I came on the air, there's the likelihood of the air quality remaining poor through the late hours this evening or even of the wee hours tomorrow. So what does this mean to asthma sufferers or those with respiratory problems? As you can well imagine, doctors who specialize in that field being kept quite busy right now. But I did have the chance to speak with Dr. Thomas Gerstner earlier today. He's an allergist and immunologist with the U of M, also has his own practice. And I asked Dr. Gerstner about the measures people can take to protect those who might be finding the air they breathe somewhat uncomfortable. The kids who are in adults who are at highest risk, of course, are those with underlying respiratory conditions like asthma, 
or um, COPD and, and other chronic uh, conditions. And for those, for those uh, individuals, you know, exposure to irritants that are present in the smoke um, outdoors uh, can, can induce asthma symptoms, cause irritation, inflammation in the airways, and lead to symptoms such as cough, wheezing, and shortness of breath. So it's like inhaling any other irritant um, that can trigger them. So when there is this kind of sustained exposure, these patients, um, you know, the number one thing is avoid the irritant. So remaining indoors is key when you possibly can to reduce that exposure. Um, some individuals may have to go to the extent of wearing some kind of a filtration mask if they must be outdoors and if they're quite ill. So, I mean, that's really important. The other thing, too, is to remember that, as usual, it's so important for these uh, individuals to take their regular medications when they are prescribed for their conditions such as asthma, their inhalers, and to use their reliever inhalers as needed uh, for those symptoms. Um, and, if, and if those uh, medications do not offer the relief uh, that is expected, you know, they should visit their healthcare provider or go to the nearest um, emergency. What are some of the signs that the parents could look for or we could look for in ourselves uh, where, where you had mentioned, you know, maybe if it's a little bit more severe, uh, uh, you might want to go to emergency. Uh, wh- wh- what are some of the telltale signs so that we avoid getting to the point where it becomes uh, a severe mm-hmm. scenario? Yes. Well, really, the, the signs are the usual signs of uh, typical uncontrolled asthma. And these include chest tightness, uh, shortness of breath, uh, heaviness of the chest, wheezing, uh, which is an expiratory whistling sound, and general discomfort and fatigue. And uh, for many of these uh, asthma and allergy sufferers, using their um, fast-acting bronchodilator will provide relief. So one of the things that we say that when things are getting to uh, are getting more concerning is when the inhaler does not provide that relief. And, or, for example, if you need to use the inhaler too frequently, like every hour or two, without substantial relief or with quick uh, sort of recurrence of symptoms, then that's a warning signal that, hey, you need more help, you need to go to the emergency. Would this be the kind of a scenario, if you're the mother of a newborn, uh, uh, and, and the smoke in the air being what it is, uh, with what you know, uh, and we're speaking in generalities here, of course, doctor, uh, would it just be advisable maybe not to have a little one out and about today? Um, certainly, if, if uh, the little one is prone to respiratory uh, conditions, such as has had underlying asthma, or especially if they're in the midst of a bit of a cold, which can be an additional factor, which could make things that much more uh, um, you know, severe, then yes, in, in those situations, it would be wise to remain indoors. Now, if for instance, myself, I've kind of had the sniffles and had to clear my throat and that sort of thing. Is that kind of just a natural reaction to the smoke mm-hmm. in the air and, you know, that yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't I, we shouldn't be trying to do self-diagnosis type of thing? But, I mean, you know, the front line of the respiratory system is the uh, the, the nose and the sinuses. And they, they you know, when you're, you're, they filter the air. And, of course, as the as the front line, they, they take uh, some of the brunt of the irritants. So, in addition to the, the wheezing in terms of breath of an asthmatic, you get a lot of the nasal irritation, stuffiness, sneezing, runny nose, congestion, um, throat clearing, cough. Uh, that's all part of the, re- the respiratory system response. 
And that sometimes can come, you know, you can predict uh, a, a worsening of asthma as well. So you need to be watchful. That could be a warning signal in an asthmatic that does trouble brewing. But many people, even without underlying respiratory conditions, will suffer from those types of symptoms if given enough of the irritant exposure, if the smoke exposure is sustained enough or, 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 or bad enough. Right. Just from, from your own office and from, from what you've had to handle this summer, because we've had some of the remnants of, of uh, wildfire smoke, whether it's from BC and Alberta, or in this case, we think it's coming from Ontario. Has it been a busy summer for you? And I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to your colleagues and touch base on this mm-hmm. as well, uh, mm-hmm. because it seems like we've had a little bit more smoke in the air than usual this summer. Yeah, you know, I'm not aware of any of the numbers. Um, looking at the acute care visits um, for this issue, uh, I, I just from anecdotally, from my own experience, yes, there have been problems with some of my patients who have experienced um, increased requirement for medications, those who have asthma and who've had worsening symptoms uh, with the, the worst days of smoke exposure. Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't have the data on looking at acute care visits or emergency visits, but I'm sure that it's had an effect. Uh, and, and can there be after effects? And I ask that from the perspective of, say we've had this smoke in the air for two or three days, but you get through it, but now a day or two later, uh, is there mm-hmm. susceptibility to, to be feeling some of those symptoms you, symptoms you described? Yeah, that's a great question because when you are exposed to any kind of an allergen or an irritant and your airways get inflamed and, and cause worsening asthma symptoms, that doesn't just disappear when the trigger disappears because you're left with the inflammatory um, response in the airway and that could last several days or it could be you could be more vulnerable to developing a, a viral infection or the effects of a viral infection uh, at, uh, at a similar time which could become worse and lead to worsening asthma symptoms. So you're not out of the woods the moment the smoke clears. There is residual inflammation that does take time. And it is Kelly in for Hal Anderson, who returns on Monday from his very brief vacation. I can't imagine he only had the three days off. That's it for the, I think that's the entire summer. That's all hell took off. And I think he told me before he left, yeah, he had to look after his taxes too. If that's not the double whammy, I don't know what is. Uh, Just a little after two o'clock. Well, one week from tomorrow, it begins. It is La Burger Week. And I know here in our office, uh, there's a number of uh, my fellow employees who are very, very excited about this. Uh, they were actually on Facebook saying, it starts next Saturday. Uh, so we thought, well, we better we better find out uh, as much as we can ahead of then. Uh, so, uh, and, and I'll tell you, Winnipeg, again, you have come up big for La Burger Week. The local organizer is Daniel Gurvich, and he joins us now. Uh, Daniel, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing today, Kelly? I'm well. Yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Well, you know, and I guess you should be. Uh, because uh, the information I have is that, once again, Winnipeg is setting the pace for La Burger Week, and, and that looks very, very good on you and your organizers. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, myself and, uh, well, another two people on our team, actually, my sister and my brother-in-law, we all, uh, all do this together. But, um, yeah, you know, Winnipeg chefs and, and Winnipeg eaters, I guess, have just come up strong again this year. and killing it you know over uh, over 115 restaurants participating and and uh, we couldn't be happier some, some new faces and some some old favorites as well so 
Right on. Let, just for context, Daniel, let's talk about how the Burger Week started because uh, I'm always fascinated uh, by how uh, the, the restaurant industry finds and devises new ways to keep itself, you know, somewhat relevant, but certainly uh, more than healthy uh, w- with events like these. Yeah, absolutely. So it actually originally started in Montreal. Uh, two gentlemen by the name of uh, Terry and Nahim, uh, entrepreneurs, totally different uh, different um, careers, actually. You know, Terry's a lawyer, and, and Nahim's always been in tech, and, and they just loved burgers. And so they started a burger competition in Montreal, and, you know, it went over well, and they reached out to myself and uh, my sister here and asked us if we wanted to spearhead the event in Winnipeg. And, you know, year one, we're knocking down doors of our friends who own restaurants begging and pleading for them to, uh, you know, <laughs> give us a chance and, and be part of this thing. And, uh, you know, we had a few, I think we had 20 the first year and then, you know, it steadily grew from there. And here we are, I think six years later and, uh, you know, we're the largest market in Canada for the, for the event and just keeps on growing. And, and it's just been incredible watching uh, people get behind the event and, and, uh, you know, really just take it to the next level that it's become. So we could maybe add to our Slurpee uh, uh, city of the world, uh, uh, or are we the Slurpee capital of Canada or the Slurpee capital of the world? And, and could we I add burgers to that? Yeah, and and I think we can add, you know, just culinary scene in general to that. It's uh, it's incredible to me from Winnipeg being a city of its size, not that they're really that small, but uh, just given our size, I think per capita our restaurant scene is is incredible. Um, not only for the amount that we have, but also just for the for the sheer quality of them. Um, and, you know, I think you look at Burger Week and the different kinds of restaurants that are participating, um, you know, everything from more traditional burger stands to very high-end restaurants um, that, you know, want to put out sometimes expensive, sometimes not so expensive burgers. It's great to see kind of that diversity amongst it as well. So yeah. so now what, what's your fascination? Did you have any background in the food industry at all, Daniel? Or what, what was your connection yeah. and, and, and passion to get involved in this? Right. So, you know, my uh, my upbringing was always in hospitality. Um, you know, it's, this is a way for me to still remain connected to it. So I've worked for a variety of different restaurants uh, in the city and in all sorts of different positions. I've managed restaurants in the past. It's been, uh, you know, bartending in, in that scene for a long time, too, and, and just really made some strong connections within the, within the hospitality industry here in the city. It, you know, paid for my university. It uh, <laughs> got me through a lot of things, and uh, and here I am. You know, in my more professional stages of my career, um, I guess a different stage of my career, I should say, and and still managed to be connected to it through uh, this wonderful competition, and still work with some some great so chefs now, and, and restaurant owners in the city. So it's great. Sorry, I butted in on you there. So, uh, are there some hard and fast rules that each of the outlets have to pay heed to, or is it just a, a free for all? It's a bit of a free-for-all. You know, we've put in some stipulations in past years to try to see, you know, how chefs can work within those, you know, confines because it is kind of fun saying, you know, everyone's got to do, you know, with cheese or everyone's got to do under a certain dollar amount, for example. But we just really leave it up to the chefs to do what they want to do. So, you know, we see, uh, you know, we see soft-shell crab burgers. We see burgers turned into sushi burritos. We see dessert burgers. We see, you know, ones with Wagyu beef and gold flake on top. It's just... It's really all over the map, and really we want variety because variety to us is accessibility, right? And not everyone's going to want to go spend 50 bucks on a burger, and not everyone's going to want to go for a soft-shell crab burger, right? So you've got to make sure you've got, uh, well, hopefully something for everyone, and, and vegetarian included, right? We have Green Burger and, and others participating as well that uh, stay away from beef completely, so that's great as well. 
Yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to get a copy of the uh, the burger uh, lineup here. I don't. Yeah. When is when is that going to become public? By the way, Daniel, just for the people listening that are saying, "Hey, if if Fang can have it, why can't I?" <laughs> exactly. So we actually uh, just. Uh finishing off some of the final details of that list because, you know, we are going to compile all the information and descriptions um, up on charcoalcollaborative.com, which is uh, my website, my, my sister's and my brother-in-law's website, I should say. Uh, that will be live um, by the end of the weekend, and we'll have full descriptions plus all the pictures on there. And then the Liberga Week National website will go live uh, next week as well, and that will have, once again, all um, burger descriptions, pictures, pricing, uh, locations, and that's also where you can go to vote and, and uh, see everything too. So uh, between charcoalcollaborative.com and theburgerweek.com, you should be able to uh, to find out all the information you need to hopefully plan out a successful burger week. I was just going to say, it takes time to, you know, perfectly scout and try to have as mm-hmm. diverse a seven days as you possibly can. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, you need to be strategic. Uh, You need to travel in groups so you can share. Uh, You know, you don't want to fill up all in one place. You need to really know where you want to go uh, if you're going to do a tour. And, uh, you know, just try to save room, you know, during the day, eat light. <laughs> or, <laughs> or maybe do a, maybe do a half burger at lunch, you know, and, and, uh, go at night again. But, you know, some people, they, uh, they just crush and they do, you know, 20, 30 in the week. And I, I'm very impressed by that. For myself, I usually, uh, you know, I target the spots that I know I want to hit, um, just based upon the descriptions and me knowing what I like in a burger and, uh, and go from there. So. So what's the perfect burger for you then, Daniel? Well, I'm a, I'm a man of, of simple tastes. So, uh, you know, when it comes to it, I'm, I'm a bit of a purist, I, I think you could say, when it comes to burgers. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with the Buddy Burger from A&W, I always use that as a bit of a, a, bit of a benchmark. So, you know, caramelized onions, cheese, maybe a little bit of mustard. Uh, really simple. Um, the Cornerstone actually did something called the Ron Swanson uh, a few years back, and now they're doing the Ron Swanson 2.0 this year. Which is uh, once again very simple. I think they added bacon essentially to a double to a double cheeseburger, um, house made patty. I just the less ingredients the better for me. And then you know I always like to try something with a different protein. So this year uh, I'll definitely be doing Itchy Bands soft shell crab burger because soft shell crab is just one of my absolute favorites of all time. So I'm looking forward to that. I saw that. I saw that on the lineup. Daniel, is it okay if I if I share? Uh, the uh, information on the defending interprovincial champion. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're talking about Brazen right now. Uh, uh, well, uh, here's, here's uh, from your list. It says for, it's from Underdogs. It's yeah, oh, okay. The Randy Savage. It says this burger is the interprovincial champion of La Burger Week. <laughs> that, that's a that's a self-proclaimed title so that's great <laughs> oh you are you kidding me <laughs> so the uh I, you know we have a bunch of different categories every single year so basically what happens is there's the voters choice so you know people can go and vote online at com. okay and that's like the, the popular vote right so um new burger actually had won that every single year up until last year and then uh and then brazen hall usurped their throne and and finally uh took the title away from them and then we also give out, uh, we have some undercover burger connoisseurs going around to try and try and throw out the week and, and the, uh, get the titles of, I think it's most healthiest burger, most creative uh, as well. And, and there's a few other categories in there as well. But, uh, you know, the Ran- Macho Man Randy Savage, he, he always was a champ. So I can see how they would want to attach that name to their to their burger as well.
<laughs> well, you, you'd certainly be happy with them because that's successful branding. I, I, I'm still going to go with it anyway. What the heck? Because we've started I here now. So. Yeah, I think uh, so. it, it's it's a fresh Manitoba beef patty, local blueberry bacon beer jam. Oh man, uh, a crispy brie che- or creamy brie cheese rather, uh, mm-hmm. bacon strips, onion rings, fresh greens. Lemon, chipotle, aioli on a mango, habanero, buttered brioche bun. If yeah, it, you know, I can, I can get down with that. It's, uh, it sounds well-balanced. They've got some spice. They've got some sweet, some savory in there. I think they, uh, they had a, a nice approach to that one. That sounds great. Yeah, if it if it's not the champion, then man, I want to know what is. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some incredible ones on that lineup, that's for sure. Yeah, so you mentioned now, is there time for more restaurants to get on board, uh, Daniel, or is this at the uh, Burger Week and Winnipeg is going to cap out at at 115 uh, uh, different uh, yeah. places? Yeah, yeah. So it's capped out. So you know, we, uh, we've seen such increased demand throughout the years that. Uh, we felt it was uh, necessary just to cap the amount of restaurants that are allowed to participate. You know, we don't want to overwhelm the consumer, and we also want to make sure that restaurants are, you know, getting the value that they deserve out of it. So um, we filled up actually early in June at this point uh, was when we were fully <laughs> fully filled for the restaurants, and we still have more that want to participate, and we, we obviously hope that we can accommodate them in future years. And, and we see it every year, you know. We see some that say, you know, this, this year's not the year for us. We've got other things going on, or... And uh, new participants come in and new people hear about it. And, and that's really what we're looking for is to have, you know, hopefully fresh faces every year and, and new restaurants for people to try and, and uh, people to put their name in the hat for it. Cause we love the variety, that's for sure. Right. Now, I, I don't know if you're able to keep this kind of data or not. Daniel Gurevich is uh, one of the local core organizers. He's mentioned his sister and brother-in-law are uh, mm-hmm. collaborating with them as well. As a matter of fact, their name is Charcoal Collaborative, so there you go. Mm-hmm. It works. Uh, they're uh, putting on La Burger, well, they're organizing La Burger Week here in Winnipeg. Uh, any way to know at all, Daniel, how many burgers we Winnipeggers and Manitobans consumed last year and what the target might be? Uh, and you said this is going to be the sixth annual La Burger Week? Yeah, I wish I had that data, but I don't. You know, when when I look, though, um, it's it's a lot. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's good. That, maybe it's good you don't. <laughs> you know, there's I, I know I know for a fact that some of the busier restaurants have sold uh, between eight hundred to a thousand burgers in a day. Uh, so if we just look at it from that number. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it can get pretty astronomical, right? And it also depends on the size of the establishment and, and how heavy they're, they're going personally on it. You know, um, I've seen restaurants that uh, say, you know, we're, we're selling out. We're, we're making enough until we sell out. If we sell out by 11 a.m., then so be it. Uh, people that put their price on their burger very high, so you know, they're getting fewer people to get it. But the people that do get it, it's at a premium. And, you know, there's different strategies. But uh, it's, it's in the thousands, tens of thousands. Uh, it's, but the numbers up there. I, I think we might need to do a salad week. We start giving uh, maybe I don't know fitness promotions away with uh, every burger you buy or something cause <laughs> to, to, to offset maybe the uh, quote unquote damage that we're doing. <laughs> I, I think so for sure. Hey Daniel, thanks a bunch for this. Just before we let you go again, uh, maybe uh, share that website one more time uh, that you mentioned that the all the information on La Burger Week uh, and the uh, outlets in Winnipeg are going to be available uh, by the end of the weekend. Absolutely. So uh, you can head to charcoalcollaborative.com and uh, check that out by the end of the weekend. Uh, you can also head to 
theburgerweek.com next week, and that will have all of the restaurant information, um, plus the burger descriptions, prices, everything that you need to know. And that's where you're going to go to vote uh, during the official week as well. Uh, just click on the Winnipeg tab for that. And also, if you head to our Instagram page, we'll be sharing uh, photos of the burgers daily, and just more so teaser posts. So you can head to uh, Charcoal Collaborative on Instagram. Check out the Burger Week on Instagram. Uh, we've got Facebook events, the Burger Week Winnipeg. All forms of social media, I'm sure you can find us. Just look for either Charcoal or the Burger Week, and uh, I'm sure you'll come up, and, and uh, hopefully we can serve you some tasty burgers this year. We're looking forward to it. I'll tell you, I'm in trouble because I printed off that list you sent me, and I probably already out of about 30 places I want to visit. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Make your plan now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Daniel Gurevich, thanks for this. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks so much, Kelly. Have a great day. Yeah, you bet. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.